So Lucy O'Hagan is um, a member of an organization that we both belong to. So that's how we know each other primarily, I think. So um, we both belong to the Association of Foragers. And I guess we met at the gathering in Wales, which was, what was that, two years ago. So Pre-COVID, uh, when we were all gathered together in a lovely big room. That's right, yeah. And um, so it's a, it's, a cool, it's, a, it's a very cool gathering because we, we do meet and, and talk and eat and drink and, and everything like that, but, but people do stuff. And what I remember you doing was working on that skin tirelessly for hours and hours. There was, there was a sheep that was slaughtered for the, for the food. Yeah, that seems to be my trademark at every AOF gathering now. I'm always covered in a skin. It's like my safety blanket, I think. <laughs> Brilliant. And also, you, 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 you instructed me on how to uh, cure a fish skin, but I'm afraid I wasn't a very good pupil, obviously, because that fish skin didn't really work out. Uh, but yeah, my first attempt at curing a fish skin, which, which prior to that, I wouldn't have even thought of it. So now every time I go to the, the fishmongers, I'm thinking one of these days I might try and get all this fish skin to get turned into something wonderful what, what, yeah. what did you have what did you you had a something that was made of fish skin was it a little bag um i think then yeah i had a, a salmon skin pouch um yeah i have a tendency to make things and then pull them apart and turn them into something else so i'm not sure where that is now but yeah yeah fish skins is a, a gorgeous alchemy everybody's always really astonished by it it's such a simple process and such a beautiful and durable material you know so yeah one of these days yeah when i'll do a workshop for us yeah i always think of patty i don't know if you, if you ever got into patty smith but she has this song um she's kind of about alchemy but she she sings this thing over and over about the transformation of waste uh, mm. and that's the thing yeah yeah so much skin yeah. being thrown away um yeah, so, I mean, it's transforming that waste as well. And then it's this restoring of something that's a, that's an ancient craft, you know, that's a life way. And um, I tan a lot of eel skins from Loch Ness, which is that big body of water in the north of Ireland. And they um, there's, there's a fisherman's cooperative there and they wild harvest the eel skins. And I always go there to get them because otherwise, I mean, if I, I don't really buy fish that often anymore, so I don't get the skins, but I love working with wild animals um, when I'm tanning. And so I get all of these wild harvested eel skins. And when I went there, they said, oh, yeah, like, you know, people here used to tan the eel skins, but nobody remembers how to do it anymore. So I was then able to go to them and show them how to do it again and yeah, it's just that kind of um, that restoring of a of a life way and a and a piece of heritage. Um, yeah, that's really exciting to me. Well, it's still a transformation of waste, right? Because these these cultures and traditions have have been wasted, and yeah, absolutely, you know, we, we can bring them back. But like this yeah. fishmonger near me, he's he's um he said, well, if you ever did get round to it, we we've got a lot of skin here. Um, well, gather them together and stick them in your freezer. Yeah. No, but I was just thinking, like, you, even if you don't buy fish, you know, your local fish guy will probably yeah. give you the things if you talk to him. It's true. And they're so entertained by it as well. You know, we had many friends with fishmongers and places when you go with these bits of information. You know, it's very exciting to people. Yeah, no, that's cool. So what are you working on just now, Lucy? 
I am at the moment I am up in Donegal, up in Northwest Ireland. There's a gorgeous big rainbow out the window. Um, and I'm not working on much at the moment, which is great. <laughs> no, that's a lie. That's a lie. I am. But I'm taking a well-earned break after a very busy year. So I'm just up here, um, yeah, hanging out with family. And um, I just released, I co-produce a journal called Arvid's Journal. Yeah, um, yeah I've just been rereading the first, the first issue, which... Oh, great. Yeah. I must post you out the second and third then. Yeah, so yeah, we just yeah. we just released the third there um about two weeks ago. So I I become a bit of a post office when that happens. Um so yeah, we've just been posting those out and getting gorgeous feedback from people and dreaming into the next one. And um yeah, really blown away by the support for that. So this is a, a journal that I co-produce with an artist and a um, mythologist who lives up in Donegal here called Sean Fitzgerald mm. and uh, he does all of the incredible illustrations as well as another couple of artists who contribute to it um, and it's all based around the story of Aravid who is kind of like our um, in our mythology the first herbalist um, so yeah we're kind of trying to bring her memory back to life and then capture all of these stories and poems and ways of expressing what Arvid means to people in their work with plants or with folklore and um, or with magic so yeah it's been um it's been great and just loving having a bit of a rest at the moment and out swimming in the sea this morning and foraging some winter chanterelles yesterday and oh, that's hanging funny. out with friends so swimming in the sea that I mean a lot of people are thinking about this cold, cold water thing now with with uh, Winhof and all this stuff has made it really super popular. But I, I remember back here in the in the in the 90s, you know, that about this being a big thing for, for the Irish to swim in the sea during the winter. And, and I had a friend from London who would go down and and the, and the joke was that if you stand on a beach in England and um, say, oh, hello, you're out there, you're right there, what you'd get. <laughs> At the top of the morning, too, you guaranteed it was going to be an Irish person to see. But it might, might not be now, but, but back then it was kind of guaranteed. Well, there's such a massive resurgence of it now, isn't there? You know, I think kind of, um, well, here certainly over COVID, most people have got into the sea and um, there's all these great swimming groups that have arisen out of it. So, yeah, it's lovely to see the, the sea populated with ourselves again. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's so restorative, you know, I kind of say I go swimming in the sea. I'm more of a sea dipper at this time of year. I just need to run in, catch a couple of waves and then run out again. And that's me set up right. for the day. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah. Addicted to cold water. It's um, it's very good. Very good for the soul. Well, it's funny. I've started doing the cold shower thing, but like our, our, um, our house has run out of gas. So we've got no central heating or hot water at the moment so it's like no choice if you want to shower um and the gas supply can't get it till tuesday but um i did a cold shower this morning and realized that i've been um i've been um not going a whole hog right because the because the water in our house because the pipes are so close together you mm -hmm. can run it cold but it's it's actually still not quite cold it's, it's not quite freezing anyway yeah but this morning i had a proper freezing cold shower <laughs> took it to a slightly different level set you up for the day 
So, I mean, is it, is it, um, I guess for most of us, it just gets, as in most of us that teach foraging, it gets quiet at this time of year. Um, would you, would you recognize that as being part of the rhythm of the year? For you? Yeah, I mean, it certainly is now. I mean, a lot of my, um, you know, I, I used to run a, a forest school. I mean, I, I still run a forest school, but I used to run it much more intensely than I do at the moment. So that would have been all year round. Um, and that was always really exciting, you know, to be out with young people in the dark, in the woods and great crack. Um, so the, like I suppose the last couple of years I've been very intentionally trying to slow down and in these months and just yeah move with those cycles and take some time to read and go for walks and just reflect on what's been and dream into what's coming for the year ahead now um yeah it's definitely a very intentional thing that I'm doing this year and I'm going up to Norway in on the 23rd and um, so my friend Lynx has bought a farm up there so just going up there to spend about a month and a half practicing ancestral skills and hanging out and being in the frozen north um yeah very excited for that it's the first time I've left Ireland in about two years so that's that's a very welcome change um after all that we've been through um yeah so that's that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said, but like, yeah, just properly soaking into the, the time of the year with the, with the winter season and so on. Mm. Can't be too busy. Is that the same for you, Miles? Or? Well, the, 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 what I've got to kind of resist the temptation to do is find something to fill the space, you know, because there are definitely several things that could. Yeah, but in terms of teaching and practical stuff, yeah, there's, there's obviously not a great deal to gather, and um, and I haven't got any courses scheduled now until mid March, so yeah. Um, but I mean, the last last couple of years, I've ended up doing a lot of thinking and I guess contemplative stuff around you know the underground and roots and things like that, and the fact that mm. that's that's where everything goes in the winter. Um, and um, last year there was a story that came, well, that linked in to that because I was thinking so much about roots and um, the train of thought really tied in a lot with, the, with, with some of the polyvagal stuff because um, I had a conversation with a, with a lady that works around polyvagal theory but is a, is a bit critical of the, the standard line because she, she mm -hmm. thinks more in terms of the dorsal vagus than the, the ventral vagus. And for anyone listening, mm -hmm. the, the ventral vagus is about very much the surface level of smiling and speech and eye contact. It's the kind of overtly social thing. But the, uh, the dorsal vagus goes deep down into your gut and it's probably more to do with the, the less overtly social but deeper social connection that people have, like the intuitive gut level connection. She really got me thinking about that. And it, to me, it translated quite directly into a metaphor around above ground and below ground parts of a, of a plant. Mm -hmm. um, and in this winter space last year, I just ended up very much thinking in terms of those, the, the roots, but in terms of the, uh, you know, mapping it onto that idea of the dorsal vagus of intuition, gut sensation, um, mm -hmm. and, and sort of rest digest, which physically that's what the dorsal vagus does. If you're, if you're on that relaxed, 
space where you, you, you basically feel safe, but you're not active. And um, the gut is released, it, it relaxes, the blood goes there for digestion. So it's very much about assimilating what's, what's happened, which, which is another one that, that, that beautifully links in with the winter metaphor, because obviously, you know, the leaves have fallen, everything's being digested back into the land and so on. Um, so mm. I, you know, I did, I did a lot of thinking about that and was just rereading polyvagal stuff and trying to you know, draw more out about the, the dorsal vagus, thinking about roots. But then um, in the summer, somebody told me a story of something that had, that had happened. Um, I'm sure you must have had the, the very late spring, right? And in, in yeah. Ireland, just like we did. Um, and the story that came out was from so many people that, that, are, that are haymaking across the country. People, people were saying, we've actually never had a harvest like this. Some people were having second, third, possible third harvests. Mm. And people that, that, that were kind of getting on a bit were saying, well, like in 60 years, I've not seen a year like this. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the sort of the, next, the explanation, the story that came out of that was because of the late spring, you think nothing's happening. Mm. But actually what was happening was the plants were developing their root system. Because mm -hmm. although we had a lot of rain and we had a lot of sun when the spring eventually did come, you can't explain the productivity of those fields purely based on rainfall and sun. They mm. couldn't have produced that much unless there'd been an, a, major, a, a major amazing enhancement of their root system below the ground. So, yeah, that, that was beautiful for me because I've been thinking so much about the roots and so on. And then, and then to see this parable of, of that working out in, in what had actually happened through the season. And I think mm. maybe, you know, everyone has had to, kind of go to ground a bit through COVID. It's, it's a bit like we've had a collective, okay, go and work on your roots, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really thinking about, you know, when you're talking about dorsal vagal, like how that's what animals use that go into hibernation, you know, they move into that space. And I heard this gorgeous thing about um, whales as well. When, we, when whales deep dive, they move into the dorsal vagal. And it's just, yeah, like the intelligence of these systems, you know, like that even though we can't observe it, it's that that's all happening below ground, that like all of that mycelium, all of this intelligence, it's all there for us and waiting for us if we want to move into it. And yeah, the, the potency of this time of year that, um, yeah, like this, this act of wintering that we can really slow down, that we can go into those darker parts, difficult though they are. And it is like that we've been plunged into this darkness over the past two years, but like the imagination and the creativity that we can tap back into as a species is so, I mean, it's vital, isn't it? It's vital for the what we're living through, through the systems that we're living through, that we tap back into those parts of ourselves that have been weathered away over years of living through colonization and capitalism it's like that is all there and wait for us like these gorgeous sugars and starches are there just waiting to be released again um so yeah i think it's um a difficult a really really difficult time to plunge into like these these dark nights of the soul but so important for growth um 
yeah, I find like there's such a, an aversion to darkness, you know, like particularly in these spirituality circles. And it's all about like lightness and moving towards the light. And oh, yeah, but like we need the darkness, but just so that we can get back to the light again. And it's like, no, the darkness is that that potency of, yeah, just um, where everything comes from. It's where everything begins. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, I do. I do love that time for this as um yeah. Well, I think it, it, it's not in every sense where everything begins, right? Because you've got sunlight creates sugars and they go down. But I, th I think you're absolutely right in terms of um, the, 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 the ridiculous imbalance like, that all we think about is, and, and, it, and it isn't just light and darkness, it's like the visible and the invisible, like that we're, mm -hmm. we're so, our culture is so um, centered around, you know, immediate sensation of, you know, what's 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 tangible and visible now mm. as opposed to you know i think this this you know you can map the underground darkness the unseen the secret you know all of these things in the realm that's that, that's not that's not so easily accessible um and we're we're just like drunk like we we we're on this big sugar rush of just the immediate and the and, mm. and the obvious Whereas, whereas the point is cycling through it, isn't it? Like we, we go up, we go down, we go out, we go in, you know? Yeah. But what the hell? Like we're, we're, we're stuck on one side of that. That's like, mm. that's ridiculous. It's like staying awake all the time and never sleeping or eating all the time and never, you know, it's just, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no precedent for that in any kind of organic thing. Mm. But um, I wonder if it's not that um, actually the problem that we have is 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 stuckness you know we, we mm. just get stuck and we arrest mm. the momentum you know that's in every in every respect that's that's yeah. our dilemma we're not moving through we're just yeah being stuck here or stuck there you know? yeah i mean i think that's a big thing that i'm you know really excited by in my work is this kind of um like remembering and reclaiming of ritual and of rites of passage and remembering that this language of initiation that is so important. And, you know, we're lucky here in the Northern Hemisphere to have these seasons that reflect that so clearly, you know, it's like, this is the time of growth. This is the time of light. And certainly in the Celtic calendar, it's like very clear of like in bulk, you know, like, or, or winter solstice and, and going to these places like Newgrange, which were constructed around the sun of like the, of the winter solstice, like how amazing to like reconnect with those ancestors that moved stones like kilometers across the land, you know, and built something across generations just to celebrate the light coming back for these yeah. few days, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I certainly think like as a culture, we've forgotten that kind of language of initiation or that language of ritual. And it's one of the most human things that we can engage with, you know, is to make meaning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think re-engaging with that has been a really powerful thing in, in my life. And I, I feel it in the culture around me at the moment of, you know, I'll, I'll go to Newgrange for when winter solstice and there's all sorts of people there you know like you've got people with drums you've got families you've got just somebody like popping by it's like such a diverse 
yeah, collection of people, but everybody's pulled there because there is that remembering that this is what we're here for. You know, this is a, a vast lineage um, that we're engaging with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that does sound amazing. I'm not, I'm not aware of anything like that happening around here, but um, perhaps there is, but that sounds amazing. Like, like um, people being gathered in in that way to, to share that moment in that place and, yeah. and to, you know, to touch something that you don't touch necessarily at any other time, at least not in that way. Um, yeah, yeah. I had great crack here yesterday and um, I met up with my friend and he's the, so this fellow Sean Fitzgerald who I work with on Arvid's journal and he loves megalithic sites you know and he's, he's currently mapping all of megalithic sites around Donegal and he said we're right for a walk and he said have you ever been to the this like the Souterrain in this town that I know really well and I was like what so we walked out across these fields and you're walking across dunes and you know you're heading out towards the sea and all of a sudden there's just this hole in the ground with like a lintel on the top of it and you know you wouldn't you would not know that this was there only that somebody was there to show me and we went down into the ground and it was just this long passage that kind of went on for about 10 meters in one direction 10 meters in the other direction and then popped up it was a bit like being inside a rabbit warren you know and then there are these little passages that are just look like tombs and like, who knows, who knows what that was used for? Like, I think that's the, the exciting thing about prehistory and about, you know, you talk about like engaging with the underworld or the other world. It's like, we're all speculating, even if you have a degree in it, you're still speculating as much as me sitting in there and touching the walls and thinking, what, like, <laughs> what is this for, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, um, I don't know where I was going with that, only that it's just, it's so beautiful no, to be continually surprised by things that are all around us, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 well, I think I just said about people being in that place to, 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 to contact something they wouldn't otherwise contact it. And it sounds like whatever on earth that structure was built for, was, 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 was made for, it was it was to facilitate some kind of experience that you you certainly wouldn't have at any other time well yeah that's definitely what we would feel being in that space was you went in here for yeah to be in darkness to be an initiation and it's definitely on the on the outskirts of the village so yeah that hut at the edge of the village that martin shaw talks about yeah it's funny though, because what it makes me think of is there was there was a series series of art installations made from stuff from the forest in in the forest called King's Wood near here, and um, my favourite piece was this thing called Coppice Cloud Chamber, and it, it was it was a it was a structure that you you kind of went into you had to duck down to get in, and then mm. there was um there was just a part at, at the top that, that that allowed light to come in, but I think. I, I didn't sit there all day, so I'm not quite sure at what point, but possibly at midday or or, or the moon at some point. It was it was definitely carefully designed so that at some point the light would come down through that hole and, and shine onto the floor. Mm. And, um, this this is this is an artist with with an imagination in 2001 or something producing that structure, but 
I just love the fact that in my mind's eye, I'm mapping that onto what you've just described, which is something ancient that was given rise to from a whole culture and a whole history. Yeah. But just yeah, now, I mean, an artist, mm -hmm. what's that? I'm just it's good to think about that, you know, because one of the um, one of the suggestions for this passage was that it was to store food. And if we think about an artist just creating something this like like this out of beauty now, like I'm creating this for beauty, you know, and for honoring these cycles that why couldn't you know, why does everything in the past have to have a function other than, yeah, it's I wanted to build this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you know the same the, the same imagination that's somehow using using that building a structure to to, to create a space you know as in like it is a space but you you come into a certain space when you go in there because yeah, I certainly I went there yeah I, I I went in there several times and I you know I was in the same space every time I went there you know, mm. so, you, know you don't yeah space apart as you say I, I didn't do that when I had a lot of emails to check. Yeah. Out a bit of space, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I, I'd I'd love to to know more about the um the whole rites of passage thing because um yeah I'm increasingly convinced that like unless we do these things unless we have things that that are part of the rhythm of not just the year but the rhythm of people reaching certain ages and moving into different stages. Um, I mean, I just thought, you know, that the whole thing of moving from being a child to being an adult, going through adolescence, I mean, damn it, it is a rite of passage. Massive. The point is, the point is that there's no tools being offered. There's no yeah. context being offered that help you understand that through either ritual or ceremony or story mythology mm. that just explains what the hell is happening to me. Mm. And, and, and then you have all these boys and girls lumped together in their peer groups, all looking at each other going, I don't know who I am. No, I don't know who I am either. And they're just reflecting, mirroring confusion back and forth rather than discovering identity and, and being able to mirror that back and forth. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it, it's so necessary. But I, you know, I'd love to hear more about what, what, what you do and what, what, you know, how that's, how that's been working out and progressing and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is, you know, we are finding ways to initiate ourselves. Like we know innately that there is change happening at whatever life stage this is and I think yeah that move from adolescence to adulthood is such an important one because it's a passage that we're able to mark on either side whereas say the passage of birth or the passage of death we can only mark one part of it in this realm you know so that, for me the this passage between um, adolescence and adulthood is really really potent but you know young people and I say young people we're working with all genders um, they're finding ways to mark these passages for themselves which is so intelligent you know like it's when we're talking about you know how the dorsal vehicle is engaged like in nature it's like we know as a species we know that something is happening and the problem then is that the way that young people are finding to initiate themselves is quite often harmful so if we think back even in our own lives you know uh, like my personal rites of passage as a teenager 
would have been, you know, first time getting drunk or first time taking drugs or first time having like risky sexual experiences. There wasn't an elder or a mentor or an adult there to say, you're going through a change, like, let's talk about this. And I think that's a big um, lack in our culture. And it's back to what we're talking about, you know, as well, this literacy of change that we're able to say there's a change happening and we're going to mark it in the way that our ancestors were so good at because it was mirrored in the world around them. Um, So, yeah, at the moment I'm working with... um, so I work with children and teenagers and adults um, and the, with the children, it's usually around the seven, eight year old mark. So that first kind of loss of innocence, I suppose, you know, that um, you're beginning to hear that maybe like beginning to understand yourself as separate from your family and beginning yeah. to turn towards your peer group a little bit more. Um, so. And, and here in Ireland, you know, we would have, well, in, in Catholic religion, we'd have Holy Communion. So when I'm planning this with parents and working with the parents is a really, really important part of this work. Um, you know, they'll say, well, you know, there's Holy Communion and why can't we just do that? And it's like, yeah, well, the church has obviously imposed their own rituals onto things that were already existing, you know? So, um, yeah, we work with seven and eight year olds and that's just a very gentle, like you're changing, your community needs you. And the question that always frame, like that I frame for parents and for guardians and families is like, what is this rite of passage? Like what are people moving from and what are they moving into? So you as a community, why do you need this young person? Like, what is it that this young person is bringing to this community that they need to see and that they need to offer then? So, um, yeah, it's that one is like just really beautiful. And I I held one last year and, you know, there's grandparents and aunties and uncles coming and um, the, the family had come together as a community to say, we're not going to, you know, we don't engage with religion. Um, but we want something because all the other kids in school are making Holy Communion and Holy Communion here is, you know, you dress up in a white dress or a suit and you get loads of money. That's, that's all we remember, get loads of money. Um, is and you have, is it, Lucy, is it completely worthless? Is there anything in that that you think that carries the intention that... Holy Communion, like in the, in the Catholic Church? I mean, if it works for people, I'm not going to say that it's it's completely worthless but it's, I think it's about how we engage with it. You know, if it is just a time when you get loads of money and that's all you remember, then I think we miss something really important. You know, we miss an opportunity to say to these young people, like, we need you and this is what we see in you and this is the gift that you bring to this life. You know, it's such a, like, it's interesting working with parents because, Sometimes parents never say that to their kids, you know, and it's difficult for them because nobody said that to them, you know, so you're kind of working with this transgenerational trauma of not being seen. Um, And uh, so then these young people, when they're given that opportunity to say that there's something, it just drops so deeply for people and then lays the foundations for then this bigger rite of passage, which is from childhood into adolescence, that there is like, that the young people can see, okay, my parents have already acknowledged the change that I've gone through, that there is like this openness to talk about change. Um, 
And then, so when we're working with um, the young people, um, we have a program called True Nature. Um, and I work with a social ecologist called Catherine McCabe on that. And then um, um, a woman called Neve Gagan. So we bring in a lot of creativity, a lot of embodiment, a lot of ritual, and then a lot of like understanding what is the story that these young people are living through, you know, because they're living through like collapse, right? They're living through one of the most difficult times and how do we help them to navigate that? Um, so we're there as adults and we're there as mentors and then they're there within a wider group of peers um, who are able to support one another um, through this change. So that's uh, like a three month program um, where we work with young people for like a weekend and then we have a week long in the woods. And as part of that, they do an overnight fire sit. So they go out and they prepare the ground of the ground of the forest and the ground of themselves to kind of sit with what is their intention moving forward? What is it that they want to step into? Um, and yeah, I just find like working, you know, in all my years of doing forest school, I always noticed that kids were so ready for ritual. Like if a tree fell down in the forest, if they find a dead bird, a dead bee, it was straight away, we're having a funeral. You know, like they're so tuned into this, you know, it's so tuned into that language. Um, I'm, I'm working with teenagers, you know, like getting them to come into a ritual space to like burn a mask that their parents have um, or their families have put onto their faces to like symbolize burning what it is that they want to let go of. And then like really like, you know, uh, like being really, what is it that you're stepping into? Do you know, what is it that you're here to do? I think it just, they have this fire and it responds to that fire and it says like, yes like yes we need that fire like we need your creativity we need your challenging like behavior so that you can question all of the things that are unjust in the world like it's such an important function in any society um and then you know the challenge of this work the challenge of any rites of passage work is like the integration time because we're trying to create you know we're trying to create initiation that would have been developed by a community for a community in the absence of community like these young people are coming together with their families who maybe live all over Ireland they have no connection to one another so like what do we do about we have now you know spent a week with these young people they've like burned masks they've like been swimming in the river together they've sat up all night and tended a fire and then they go back to school and say well I've been initiated and this is who I am now like some of them have taken new identities and the school's like what what are you talking about <laughs> do you know like you're still <laughs> yeah no you still have to wear a uniform and do what we tell you to do you know or like the parents or families themselves they haven't had these experiences so like how do we make sure that this isn't just a really traumatic process for people um so for us that has been to work with the families really closely as well um and then for me as well it's also about initiating adults and um, so I guide wilderness rites of passage here in Ireland a four-day um, fast for people um, and that's in through the lineage of the School of Lost Borders 
Um, so it's a 12 day ceremony and it's um, a group of about 12 adults and we spend time listening to people's intentions and helping them to like hone an intent statement to go out onto the land with. And then the threshold time is this time where they're sitting out on the land for four days and four nights seeking a vision, you know, seeking something to be mirrored from the world that like affirms their place in it. Um, and it, like, I love this, um, you know, the idea of like ecological niche and like what is our ecological niche as humans? So like that's like what guides my work is that question. Um, and then the, well, so the, re, the, the integration part, incorporation part of that ceremony is sitting in story council and hearing and witnessing and harvesting people's stories. Um, so yeah, like this is, I've only been doing this work here in Ireland for the past two years. So it's really new for me and obviously very old. <laughs> um, so it's been interesting to see like what is, um, yeah, like what, what is it that we're remembering from the past and like what is that offering us for the contemporary story that we're in and the future that we want to see. Um, and really like it feels very potent to do this work on an island because we feel the ripple effects of it, you know, like I've been able to guide rites of passage for young people and families that I know and I see them grow. Um, or adults that I'm friends with and I feel the reverberations of this experience and the work that they're now doing. So yeah, it feels really important and it's um, it's not where I expected to be, you know, it's like the joy of being alive. I'm like, God, I never expected myself to be doing this work, but I feel so strongly about it and so alive in it and so much that it's kind of like the crucible of, of all of it do you know it's like and especially working with plants as well like I had a great conversation with Monica Wilde there of like exploring what are the plants that support these passages you know like what would we have used in ritual um so yeah I'm very passionate about it as you can probably tell yeah no I just I just think it's it's lovely because I think for so many of us we sit and, you know, border on despair at times to, to, to see how much is, is going wrong and how far gone that process is and, and how almost unlikely it, it is that we could do anything to, to really stop it or turn it around. Yeah. And, and so the question comes, like, well, what can I do? You know, where is, where is you know, whoever it was said, some Greek fellow said, give me a place to stand and I'll move the world. No, where, where, is, where is that place that I could stand that would actually make a difference? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't just be some token gesture, wouldn't be getting burnt out, trying to fight against, you know, a losing battle, banging your head against the wall, pissing into the wind, whatever. You know, is there somewhere that I could stand? Is there something I could do that would actually be the sweet spot that, at some level was making a difference at some level was making it move in the other direction mm. and, and that, to me that's what it sounds like you're describing you know that you, you you're finding that not only is this a sweet spot in terms of being very fulfilling but it is actually contributing to to, to a reversal of the the toxicity and and decay you know but um but um which yeah that's very 
That's pretty good. I think everybody, everybody should know that at least somebody's been fulfilled on the planet right now. You know, there's a, there's a few <laughs> sweet spots of humans feeling like they've found their, their niche. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, it's no easy task, right? And it's like, it's not that I don't despair, do you know? I have so much grief for where yeah. we're at. And I think it's important that we feel that, you know, yeah. like that we, and yeah, like how, like how do we do that without being completely swept away by the enormity of it and our powerlessness sometimes in the face yeah. of it, you know, like it's it's not going to stop <laughs> you know like we're, we're heading towards it and um yeah how do we I don't know I keep having this image of like pulling back into our roots you know like yeah, exactly. of what are the life ways that sustained us for so long without destroying the planet and what can we learn from those you know and 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 what is the the community both like the ecological community and the human community that surrounds you you know that because they're the people that are going to be there you know and they're the beings that are going to be there because we're not going to be moving as much as we might have done um so yeah I think it's it is really about like looking at the ground that you're standing on yeah um, and coming to know that a lot a lot more yeah and I think someone I keep coming back to at the moment is uh, I've just I've just been so struck by um what's going on in terms of global mass communication and, and like the upsides the internet and satellite TV and, and, and so on is that is that messages are being disseminated at, at remarkable speed mm-hmm. and also you know just being drip fed and by, by repetition so that a theme can be worked and reworked in the same way as you would have had sitting around a fire listening to the oral tradition of your tribe you know so in particular what I'm particularly excited about is 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 that Netflix film the the uh, the fantastic fungi whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. which started out as a as a sort of you know niche in special interest group you know those of us who are already into this kind of thing hearing a little bit more about what we know already you know um and now it's on netflix and millions of people are watching it alongside you know sheldrake's book in every bookshop you go into there's great big piles of the entangled life and and thousands of people reading it but i mean that's like advanced level but like yeah. You know, whether it's, it's, it's gut flora or soil bacteria or just a better understanding of the human body, because whenever anybody gets ill now, they Google it. And so they, you know, drip, 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 drip. They start understanding what's going underneath the skin, on, underneath the skin of their own body. So kind of what I was thinking was with the, um, the, the rites the of passage and um, all of this stuff where we're having to recreate culture that has been lost or has been wasted, like we talked about earlier. Um, and so where do we start? And um, I'm trying to say lots of things at the same time, really, but, but you know, I know you've, I heard you talking to Robin about the, the cultural appropriation thing. So like we, we don't have the option to just go and do some Native American rite of passage as such, but also we don't have the option of, of asking Great, 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 great Uncle Bill, what they used to do because nobody wrote it down. And so whether but I just think that part of the jigsaw puzzle of how we're going to solve this conundrum is that we have tools now that they didn't have, you know, 
So what, what Sheldrake talks about in Entangled Life, there, there's a bunch of stuff there that without microscopes and certain scientific techniques and, and, and whatnot, we, we see what they didn't see. You know, we have a view into the underworld that, that they didn't have. And we have a way of disseminating that knowledge that they didn't have. You know, we, 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 you know they had the campfire. We have podcasts and, and YouTube videos. And, you know, no, no, it's not the same. It's not the same. We, we need that close contact with people we actually know. But in order to just get over the hill of like, we have a huge obstacle of ignorance and suddenly we can know a bunch of stuff and we can hear the heart, beating heart of people that, that wax lyrical and, and, and air their passion through these vehicles. And you can catch that and it can ignite something in you, which, you know, you'd have had to be deep into some mystical realm for somebody on another continent to move you in that way a thousand years ago. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm sure it did. I'm sure people did you know, connect in a, in, a, in, a, in a profound way across past distances. But now we can do it in a really easy way by turning your computer, on, you know, and logging into this podcast, you know, or whatever. So I just, I just think we've got amazing stuff um, that, can, that can help, you know, that we, that we, that we never had before. Um, and um, so I'm just, I'm just uh, offloading all the reflections of everything you just said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I also think, yeah, there's a, there's a both and in there, like, isn't there, you know, that, yes, we can do all of these things that you talked about of engage internet and, you know, while we can still do that, like, it's such an amazing thing. And there's also that, you know, like of engaging with the land, you know, like, we might be able to call our great, 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 great ancestor, but like, you know, people sit in ritual and speak with their ancestors as well, or sit and listen deeply with the land and trust, like go back to that intuition of like trusting that intuition that it is like the land speaking through you, that it is your ancestors speaking through you as well. So it's like, yeah. I want to, yeah, like hold the the tension between both of those, you know, because we're we're often taught that it's either or, you know, like yeah. either you're out here and you're a bit woo or you're here and it's scientific and technology, but it's like you can be both of those. And it's continually coming back to indigenous knowledge of like, you know, how did people know these things? You know, how did we learn about all of these plants? And, you know, people would argue, oh, well, somebody just died and you knew not to eat that plant. You know, what would it be like if we didn't just, you know, discount that, you know, that we actually believe that we had the capacity for that, you know, and that it's so important to even try, do you know? It's like people can listen to what you or I are saying, but like really they're, yeah, the truth of the place we're there they are might sound very different so yeah I think there's um I love this yeah I just want to destroy all binaries you know that it would be one or the other um, yeah but it's just the fact that they inform each other though because this is this is this is what I'm increasingly feeling you know liberated by is is that, that because when when science digs a bit deeper it opens up the complexity it opens up the wonder it opens up the path to knowledge being other than rational, logical, um, linear thinking, you know, e.g. everything we now know about the, well, everything we're beginning to shed light on, I should say, really, in terms of the the, 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 the role of the gut and even the gut floor in intuition, mm. the role of the right brain in, in this kind of synthesized relational listening kind of way of obtaining knowledge, so that people who cannot 
get their heads around any kind of um, worldview that relates to stuff you can't see, e.g. deities or spirits or realms that, that, that you can't see. All of a sudden, yeah. these kind of insights permission those people to come right in and sit down mm -hmm. and be intuitive themselves because we've we've got something we can anchor it in. we can say well look you know your, your dorsal yeah. vagus does that it's tuned into all of these bits that yeah. feeding information we can't really explain it but we do know that that's what's happening and and yeah it's um it means everyone can come that's what i like about it um yeah 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 we need everybody yeah mm. But just going back to something uh, th that you said about the um, the teenagers, uh, I I stood with this circle a, a, a little while ago. Just some people celebrating the autumn, and, and you know it's quite a contemplative space. And um, uh, but I've been kind of up to my eyeballs in in thinking about mycelium and decay because I've done all these mushroom walks. It was one of the main things I kept talking about. So, and we were looking at that and I was, and I, and I just, I just had this question, like, if we're seeing these things as parables or metaphors that we want to enter in and live through. So in what sense can I be, you know, mycelial, e.g., you know, in what sense am I going to engage in that? Like the, the, the leaves have fallen and then in some sense I'm emitting enzymes that break down these fixed forms that keep everything moving so that it can go back up in the in the in the springtime, but for now it goes down. And and I just think, well, if that's a metaphor for us, what what does that look like? And and you saying this thing about the uh, the teenagers challenging the structures of how we think, I thought, aha, that's teenagers being um, <laughs> being mycelial. They're 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 exuding enzymes of skepticism and challenge and questioning uh, in order to break down these structures. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. Please of, let me. I want to see like the teenager's face when you tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> You're performing that function. Don't yeah. you see? <laughs> okay, you think that's gonna just get some skepticism, instant skepticism by saying that, yeah? Yeah, but it's so important, you know, like I I mean I've I've no um I have no doubt that. I am not cool in a teenager's eyes, but I have to be fully myself, do you know? Yeah. I have to talk about how much I love skinning otters and uh, like picking roadkill off the road and eating plants and, do you know, just be yeah. completely out there because I did not know I was an option when I was a teenager, you know? It was like I was not on the careers list. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you can live this way and you can live really, really well this way. Um, and if that, you know, if they think I'm massively weird, then that's great. And, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, they might remember, oh, I remember this person that I met in the woods and that that was actually an optional way to live, you know. Um, there's this guy in Ireland I, I think about this story a lot. He was living up in, in Norway and he got called by the rocks up there to bring a sacred fire from Norway to the centre of Ireland. So he taught himself how to sail in the, this wooden sailing boat and he crossed from Norway to Ireland in the winter and uh, he arrived to Ireland and then I think he was trying to do it without um, like fossil fuels. Um, so then he got he was taught how to work a horse and then rode 
like this horse with the trap, all with the sacred fire burning the whole time. And he carried it to the center of Ireland. And I think his name is Dara O'Carroll. He was on a, a Tommy Tiernan show and Tommy Tiernan just said, you know, if only young people knew that you were an option, do you oh, know, that like, you know, yeah, this is what I'm going to do with my life is carry a sacred fire from Norway to Ireland without burning any fossil fuels, because that's what I feel like I need to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, like to tune back into that, like imaginative, like human way of, yeah, just following a calling. Yeah. Yeah, because those young people that they, they they need examples of people being free to be, you know. That's that's um, so that, you know you 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 know even if they do think you're weird, you you like you say you're you're um you're giving them permission. Like if someone can be free to be like this, then I might not want to be like that. But, but yeah, you feel a little inclined to be like this, and everybody thinks that's weird. So yeah. That's fantastic, like role models for, um, um, I mean, I have to say to, to, my, to my, my daughter, who's a very strong personality, but she seems to be shaped by the, the peer culture to be actually keeping herself under wraps quite a lot. It's, mm -hmm. it's surprising for us when we see that when she comes out, she's such a strong character, but in that school context, she doesn't, you know. So um, I keep telling her that the heritage at least my side of the family is, you know, you're an Irving and part of that is you're not supposed to give a damn about what people think. So, um, you know, be, 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 be one. <laughs> um, and I can feel when I tell her that, that, that I'm strengthening something, you know, that she's thinking, aha, do you mean you can actually do that? You can actually not give a damn what people think? Uh, yeah. So yeah, they need that permission. But I also thought um, when you when you when you moved it on to talking about the the uh, older people doing the the rite of passage thing, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something about it's it sounded like the same the same metaphor about things being dissolved, you know, things being broken down that are fixed and and so on. So mm -hmm. um, I do think that is such a well, I guess it's the time of year. As I said, I'm thinking about it a lot, but I, 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 do, I do think that it's an element, you know, what we get out of winter is thinking about that. You know, we've got to go through mm -hmm. and go through and go through. And, and each time we meet something and say, there is nothing that's not up for grabs here. You know, there is mm -hmm. nothing that I'm saying, no, this is, you can't touch this. This is, this is what I think and this is how I do things. And no, mm -hmm. no, you know, the, <clears throat> the things that, and the thing is that some things do stand, you know, like if you follow the cycles, some things don't change like e.g. in evolutionary terms we've got crocodiles they've been here a long time lobsters and whatnot so it's not to say but but everything's up for grabs you know everything everything could cease to exist and never come back again in this form um so it's like trusting to the that sort of death and rebirth part of the the cycles of life that there's nothing we're hanging on to because we trust that whatever comes through the other side and comes out again is the good stuff you know and and, and and whatever else doesn't isn't necessarily the bad stuff but it's just not needed on the journey anymore so um yeah anyway that's my winter reflection I think that's my main winter <laughs> reflection this year last year it was roots this year it's decay you know why is decay a good thing 
Mm, yeah, it's definitely an invitation to go down into the roots there and ponder decay and relationships and all of the things that this time can invite us in to do. So yeah, thanks for the thanks for the invitation to be here. Um, yeah, and of course you're you're holding out an invitation. I I, I assume for these these things that we've talked about the the, the rites of passage for teenagers and and um, and adults. I mean, can people come from outside of Ireland and 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 do the teenager thing, or do they have to have engaged with this sustained build up process? Can people just come? Or um, I mean, certainly, of course, you know. People feel called to do that. I do think it's always um, very powerful to be able to engage with this where where it is close to you. But if if people want to come over, particularly adults who are feeling called to do um, a vision fast in Ireland, um, that will all go up on my website soon. <laughs> soon. Um, but yeah, so if the, people want to find you, Rather than given the whole web web thing was probably no one's going to write down, but 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 I found you by just going Lucy O'Hagan Wild Awake that came straight up, so that's a, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, yeah. wildawake.ie is the website, so that's what, like all of my courses and where people can purchase Aravid's journal as well. Um, and then yeah, I'm quite I'm very active on Instagram as well, so people can find me at Wild Awake Ireland there too. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, lovely to talk to you, Lucy. Yeah, you too, Miles. Enjoy your wintering. Thanks. Best. Big soon, yeah. Bye.